Well, the, the scoreboard said I lost today, but what the scoreboard doesn't say is what it is I have found. Welcome back to the Tennis Connected podcast for May 28th, 2021. I'm Nima Nadere alongside Parsa Sami, and we're here this week to preview the French Open. Before we begin this week's show, let's introduce our co-host Parsa. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Living the dream, working hard. Tennis seems to be in full swing and loving every second of it. How about you? Yeah, man, I'm pretty much the same boat. Uh, it's been crazy spring here. Where I mean, obviously you're in the states, where it's the as we were just saying, it's the wild, wild west, and you can pretty much do everything. And COVID looks like it's done. I'm here in Canada. COVID is still very much in full swing and uh, still in lockdown here. We we can't. I mean, they open up the tennis courts, but you can't teach tennis lessons. Still, so you can't do anything. So all the malls are closed. Restaurants are closed. So it's a uh, it's a long road still, but. Excited for the uh, the French Open to start on Sunday. I believe they have three Sundays at that event, and there's a lot of interesting storylines. Parsa, we have Serena Williams obviously still going for her 24th career major, and we also have Nadal who's going for his 14th French Open title, which is astounding in its own right. But what's even more important is that if he wins the event, he becomes the sole leader in the Grand Slam race at 21, surpassing uh, his tie with uh, Roger Federer at 20 and taking a, a bit more of a lead over Djokovic, who has, I believe, 18. So uh, those are some storylines to keep, um, you know, I'll look out for. But, um, yeah, I mean, parts of from my end, just quickly, it's been, you know, a bit of time since we've spoken with everybody and a lot of stuff has happened. I mean, we've had a lot of new or unfamiliar, potentially, uh, Masters 1000 winners and Hubert Hercatch won Miami over Yannick Sinner. And then we had uh, Steph Sissipas win in Monte Carlo. We had, you know, Zarev take Madrid, uh, taking out Nadal and team along the way. And then we had Nadal kind of restoring order by winning Barcelona, as well as Rome over Djokovic in the finals. We have Djokovic coming back after the Australian Open and everything, trying to find his form. And, you know, he's saying that he's just really zeroing in on the majors. And then on the women's side, we have Ash Barty still playing very much like the number one player in the world. We have Bianca Andreescu, who's trying to come back from injury and she keeps getting injured. And she's a little bit of a question mark. And then finally, we have Naomi Osaka, who is, uh, she's not playing that well because it's the clay and she doesn't really thrive on that surface. And then now she's saying she's not going to be doing any media at the French Open to support mental health for athletes. And so that's a little bit of a subtopic. And uh, I mean, that's pretty much all I got right now. What are some of the storylines you're looking uh, at coming into the year second major as well as uh, just generally from this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the number one thing I'm, I'm probably most looking forward to 
believe it or not, is is not history. It's it's um, Steph Sissipas. Um, yes, he's he's got the it. Um, so you think so, eh? Yeah, he's definitely on. He's on the brink. So in the next, I want to say six Grand Slams or so, it, he's going to be holding the trophy, um, and he just has this. Uh, this you know you can look at it you, when you see him deep deep in matches and it's five all and he's just pouring sweat and it's just he's he's got this this other gear and he's just very relentless and you know you have to learn how to navigate those moments to become elite you know and they're all elite anyway i guess but like you know what i mean by grand slam champion elite there's there's a a little bit of a switch um and he is right there. I mean, fitness-wise, he's there. Physically, he's there. His game is there. Um, you know, I think uh, the, the statistic I, I heard was that he held serve more than anyone else or so, something to that effect. Um, you know, so he's he's got some statistically some, some things that are really going his way. At the same time, his mentality and his drive to continue to strive for greatness is there. Um, in, in the second topic, you know, I, I find interesting is as much as Osaka may be ostracized for not doing, you know, media type things and, and trying to make a point, look at even when she's not doing media, the media is covering her not doing media. You know, that tells you the, the power of her as an individual and her brand and, you know, how she's. You know, do you remember the U.S. Open podcast, Nima? And we were talking, and I, and I actually said on the podcast something to the effect of, you know, I could see Osaka pushing through because this is a cause, or maybe it was Wimbledon, I'm not sure, but this was a cause for her, you know, it was greater than herself. And she got over herself very quickly and, and rounded into form. And she's now running with it. You know, she's she's yeah. taking that that mantle and, and, that, and that place that she has in the world and she's utilizing her voice or in this case her lack of voice um, to create change in the world you know and when she does things like that she plays better um, because it's it's just she takes the pressure off of herself so it's um it's all good um, and you know we all do want to hear from her and Hopefully, this is just an isolated Grand Slam tournament that she does it at. Um, but I really appreciate what she's trying to do and, and how she's trying to go about it. And hopefully, we hear from her, you know, in the championship final, you know, which is far-fetched knowing her results on clay in, the, in history um, mm -hmm. in the past. But maybe that's what she needs, you know. Maybe she just needs to enjoy it and, and go out there and, and bang the ball and, um, you know, just play, play tennis. Um, I think the third storyline um, I'm very curious about would be, uh, you know, what can Rafa do? Can he do it again? I mean, most likely he will. Um, he, he just looks to be still in championship form. I don't know if you've noticed some of the, the, his adjustments in Barcelona and Rome compared to the previous couple clay events. You know, he sort of is starting to blend his hardcourt game. Um, you know, when he overly spins the ball... He's really not, he's not getting the same ferocity of the bounce. And 
although he has it there, but it's not necessarily the same. It's actually when he's dictating and dominating with his forehand, like he does on a hard court, he's having tremendous amounts of success on the clay courts. So I thought that was a, a, a little interesting change as he's aging here. He's adapting, which is amazing. Um, and lends me to believe that he's going to be around for a couple more years. This is not, you know, I, I'm, I'm the first one to admit five years ago, six years ago, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe when he's 31, 32, he's toast. No way. This guy's totally changed his game, changed his mindset, changed his mentality. He knows how to change his tactics, obviously, and his, and his mental game is like steel. So I think um, we've got some good Rafa things coming up here. Um, I think the next thing I'm, I'm kind of interested in is, is to see uh, Sir Federer come back. Um, yes. You know, why not? You know, it's just uh, the guy is just pure joy um, and loves to play. And, you know, I'd love to see him make a run at Wimbledon or, or the U.S. Open. You know, unlikely at this stage because um, he clearly can't defend as well as he used to. And so, you know, he has to be so precise offensively that, you know, it's just tough against... These these those three guys now you know Pass, Djokovic Nadal it's just very very difficult to play at at redlining it so to say for that long of a time frame to win a best of five match seven times in two weeks I mean it's, it's a daunting task um, to say the least um, you know and other than that uh, you know I'm enjoying the new faces out there um, you know I I don't want it to be too much I think the the women's game. We were, you know, relishing before COVID in the new faces, and then you have a, a pandemic, and you kind of don't know really who to root for. You know, have you noticed that, Nima? It's sort yeah. of like, you know, you don't, you, 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 there are just so many different various types of players that it's sort of all spread thin, and, and I find myself gravitating towards like, do I want to, you know, think about Serena Williams, I'm like, eh, you know, she's, she's definitely aging. She's not exactly the, the, the level she was. All right. So that's that, you know, is it going to be, you know, all the, the cast of characters, you know, and rescue that you thought we thought was going to be great, you know, or Sophia Kennan, or we thought Sonia Kennan, sorry, excuse me, um, that we thought was going to make a push through. And it's sort of, you know, the parody actually has brought a little bit of, forgetfulness um so we're still talking about osaka that's good um so i'm interested to hear who will emerge and we know ash barty's playing high level tennis but i don't know if she's like the dominant figure yet she's got to prove herself you know over and over again in the grand slams and i think then she'll get the respect that she obviously deserves um you know and then and then we'll see where it goes from there so yeah, I mean, there's a few things. Just quickly, Ash Barty, I think she's doing what she's doing because she's an incredible athlete. And that kind of athleticism, you know, you see her playing other sports and stuff like that, that really translates to all different types of surfaces. Coupled with that, subsequently, we, we see a guy like uh, Daniel Medvedev, who is struggling a lot on clay. And he, you know, you've seen him in Madrid. I hate the surface. Why am I here? My socks get dirty. I hate, like, I just, whatever. And you know, the truth is, Carl, I've talked to a couple, you know, uh, former players and, you know, tournament directors and stuff like that. And they, the consensus is on the inside is that he's just not good enough of an athlete. And when you're not as athletic, like he's a guy who's been training his whole life 
hitting a ball. He's long, he's tall, to be, and he's got he's a good tactician and a great tennis player. But if you put him on a basketball court or tell him to run a 500-meter thing or do any triathlon stuff, he's going to struggle. Subsequently, if you put Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, you know, a guy even like Fuksovic, Monfils, guys like that into that type of framework, I can assure you that they're going to be able to play all different types of sports well. And subsequently, that's why they've been able to excel on all different types of surfaces. And all of those guys have made, you know, especially the big four have made all Grand Slam finals because they're athletic. And so this is going to be a thing with Medvedev. Like, he's an excellent hardcore player, no question. I love watching the guy play. But the reality is, in my opinion, I really do agree with with all these people that I talk to, um, that he's just not good enough of an athlete. And his lack of athleticism is what hurts him on clay. And, you know, that's that's all I got to say about that. What, what's, what's your thoughts quickly on that before we jump into uh, the uh, draw previews? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, that's that's uh, 100%, you know, very accurate. Uh, you have to be able to manipulate and, and ad-lib and improvise in certain moments on clay. And sometimes you got to dig from deep into a corner to all the way having to, you know, uh, be aggressive and offensive. So, I mean, it's definitely, it's crazy. You know, I was just talking to someone yesterday about, you know, what's the game going to be in 10 years? Like everyone's hitting the cover off the ball. Everyone can cover everything. It's like the differences between the, the athletes is, is almost gotten to the point where it's what what mother nature has bestowed upon you is actually what the difference is. It's not, you know, a technique or or a strategy. It's It's more of like how well can you explode from left to right in an adverse position you know it's 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 gotten quite complicated and and very very competitive amazing yeah yeah and it's interesting because you know just before we get into the uh, the the drop preview here starting with the women's one thing i just want to conclude with here is that when we talk about you know players coming up and Sissipas and stuff like that, obviously I think that Sissipas is good uh, for tennis as well as the men's game. But apart from him, just on the men's side quickly, when I look at guys like Sinner and all of the other youngsters that are coming up, I really don't see any dynamic personalities that can really transcend the sport and really attract new you know, you know, view viewership to to the sport. I I don't see it. I mean, I've said this for a long time, Parsa. We've been doing this for over ten years now. You know, you need a guy like Nick Kyrgios or whatever to be you know top five to really get you know that younger audience that that we that we need um, because he can transcend sport. He's got the vibe. He's you know he's got the edge. Guy like Sinners. He's an incredible player, potentially future Grand Slam champion, but his personality, in my opinion, respectfully, is very boring. And he's just too professional. You know what I'm saying? So you love to see it like, listen, I'm coaching a kid. Be like Sinner. Don't be like Kyrgios. But when I'm looking at it from a marketing perspective, I want you to be like Kyrgios, right? Because that's what's going to be able to attract fans. And that's why the ATP still promotes Kyrgios. Because they, they're not stupid, right? At the end of the day, it's a business, right? So that's the thing I think it's missing a little bit. Obviously, Osaka, again, came up very shy and reserved. Um, but 
you know, she, with her marketability and her, you know, her background and everything, she's absolutely just been crushing it. And, you know, she does all of this side, you know, social justice stuff now. And again, is some of it a marketing ploy? Could possibly be. There is there still good in, the intentions behind it? For sure. But then at the end of the day, right, like when I look at stuff, you know, when we're looking at it just from the purity of the sport and just tennis, I think that's different than looking at it from the marketability of it. There's a reason why the NBA is hot, right? It's because of the polarizing and transcending personalities of a Kevin Durant, of a LeBron James, and so on. But in tennis, when Serena's out, Nadal, Federer, and, you know, like it's, it's going to be tough in my opinion. Because you need, you know, people to be able to step up and take over that mantle. And it's not only about their tennis. It has to also be personality driven and, you know, people being like relatability and people being able to, uh, you know, get into it, right? Into the vibe and everything. So that's something to follow as, as we move forward. But um, oh, there's my two cents there. But moving into now the, the women's pre- uh, draw preview, we have, you know, former winner Ash Barty, who um, leads the way here, Parsa. Um, I mean, for me to not see her in the semifinals would be very shocking. And to to set up even, um, uh, what is it called, uh, a rematch or a, a very enticing matchup with uh, defending champion uh, Swiatek, who's got a very interesting name still for me to say. Um, but I mean, that's pretty much my semifinalists. And when I look at the top half, I mean, like maybe hopefully Coco Goff can do something. And I mean, we got, you know, Spitalina and Kenan and Sakari and former champion Muguruza. Um, but like I said, for me, I'm going with, uh, you know, Swiatek and, and Barty. Uh, to move forward into the final two. what uh, What's your uh, thoughts on the top half of the women's draw overall? Yeah, I think uh, some interesting, uh, you know, matchups. I think you got Barty, and um, I think I'm interested in watching Goff to see how she does, and Jen Brady, and um, definitely in Sophia Kennan, um, Alina Svitolina, you know, who she's bound to win something. I mean, I don't know. I guess she's she's the one who is the best to never win anything, right? Um, so she still is looking, you know, for something there. Um, Sakari, I think, is is going to be tough. And Muguruza, we'll know at the end of the first round, right, if Muguruza is going to be a contender or not. Um, if she's looking good, then she could be great or she could be out first round. Um, so a tough one to pick. Um, and Swiatek, I mean, obviously, you know, you, we know her history and, um, you know, she loves the clay, so... I think it's going to be a, a, a battle, but I, I am going to just throw it out there just to be a little different. I'm going to go with Barty and Muguruza in the semi. Okay. And as we move forward from there, <clears throat> I mean, you know, just a quick shout out to Carla Suarez Navarro. She's coming back uh, from cancer, which is absolutely incredible. And she plays former finalist Sloane Stevens who we'll get to in a bit. So all the best to her. Um, and that's a fantastic effort overall. I'm very happy for her health. Um, moving to the bottom half of the draw, we have number seventh seed, Serena Williams. 
I mean, we got to spend a second on her for sure, Parsa. Here, I mean, I listen. She looks fitter for sure, and admirable what she's still trying to do in the sport. And you know, you gotta, it, you can't say it enough, how much you know Serena, Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal, how great they are, how much they love the sport, and how much they still want to keep playing. I mean, none of these none of these players need to keep playing. They're all multi-millionaires in the hundred hundred millions, right? So everybody's obviously crushed it in that capacity. They all have, you know, close to or over twenty grand slams each. I mean, it's just like it's for me. It's it's incredible that they keep playing. But you know, she's got her goals, and you know, she knows what she wants to do. But that being said, I I really don't like her chances here. I mean, I didn't. She very limited clay court preparation. I think she played a couple matches, and she won. I think one, one of them, and she doesn't have that easy of a draw. And I mean, even somebody like Kerber could, uh, even though she's not that great on clay, could give her some trouble. And even Kvitova, who's not the best on clay, I think can give her some trouble. And then you know you got Sabalenka also looming, and Azarenka, and. I mean, for me, looking at this quarter, I'm actually going to go with. I think the bottom half is going to be a super big surprise. Like, I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm going to be going with um, Kvitova in that top quarter, and then in the bottom quarter here, uh, you have uh, Bianca Andreescu, who has absolutely just been, you know, decimated by injuries now for the last couple of years, which is a shame because she has that type of personality. I think that can start to transcend sport a little bit, and I'm not just saying that because she's Canadian. I just, you know, I, I look at it from a marketing perspective. And then we have Osaka, who's the number two seed. And again, I hope she does well. But again, clay is not in any way, shape, or form her, you know, preferred surface. So I'm going to be going with, you know, some surprise picks here with Kvitova and Bencic actually in the semifinals. What are your thoughts on Serena as well as the uh, bottom half here, Parsa? Yeah, I mean Serena. You know, we'll know when we know, right? It's one of those things that you know we can't really, you know, count on. You know, we're just really not sure on, on what she's going to be able to do, and um, you know, and even if you do, even if she is playing well, you you're not sure now. Even if she got to the final, how she's going to react and and how she plays so um i don't know i i i feel like she's not hitting the ball as big as she used to and otherwise i would think clay should be an okay surface for her things slow down she should be able to clobber it but she's sort of part of the pack now at least the, the top 10 pack you know and, and is no longer the the clear-cut one and i mm-hmm. think that's um where we're at with her you know can can she win another yeah absolutely but the draw has to work out for her and to her favor in order for that to happen. Um, when I look at the draw here, you know, I do look at some some enticing people, you know, but we sort of, the funny thing about this draw is we know what we're going to get, um, sort of. You know, Serena's really the only one, but having Kerber in there and Kvitova in there and Azarenka and Madison Keys and Pavlochenkova, Savalenka, Andreescu, you know, he's sort of Kanta... Benchich, Burtons, you know, these are all players that we've seen in the past and, and obviously Osaka as well. Um, you know, it's one of those one of those sections where anyone can come out of it. 
Um, you know, so I am going to go with uh, Serena Williams, and I'm going to have her playing uh, Benchic in the semi. Um, and, you know, the reason I'm going to do that is because I think when you have a, a cast of characters like that, I think Serena will manufacture her way through. Mm-hmm. How far she gets from there, I don't know. Um, but I feel like she will have the chance to make something, at least make a deep run. Um, and, and then, you know, I don't know if she's got the game, you know, so to to beat someone like Barty. But, you know, so I would have Williams, Benchich, and in the top half, I would have Barty and Muguruza. And, and I would have a Mugu, uh, sorry, a, and Muguruza, if she's in the semi, she could actually beat Barty, by the way. Um, that's the, the type of level we, we know of Muguruza. Most likely she'll lose first round because I picked her. But, um, you know, if not, she's going to be very dangerous. Um, but I'm going to have, uh, you know, Barty defeating Muguruza in the semi. And I'm going to have, uh, I really want to say Benchich upending Serena. But, um, you know, I'll go with it. Benchich defeating Serena in the semi. And then Barty holding the title. Oh, wow, that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see if that plays out. For me, I'm going with Barty Swiatek um, in the top half, and I'm going Kvitova Benchic in the bottom half. I'm going Barty over Kvitova to grab uh, her second Grand Slam title. So that's uh, gonna be an interesting, uh, you know, to see how the the women's uh, draw shapes up. And then for my dark horse. I'm actually going to be going with Sloane Stevens. I don't think anybody's talking about her at all. Uh, you know, she's still young, and you have to think she still has one or two big, you know, Grand Slams left in her. Whether that's reaching a finals, whether that's winning one, I think she gets at least one more major before she's done. Um, and I mean, why not here? I mean, with the women's draw being so unpredictable. You know, anything can happen, and I think she's a good pick uh, in, in those respects. Uh, who's your dark horse, Barca? Putting on the spot here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not easy. You know, I'm, I'm, you know it, it's so hard, right? Anything can happen. I mean, the only name that really sticks out to me is Anna Samova. I, I, you know, I think that, yes. you know, she's fiery enough and has a big enough game. If she's on, she definitely can make a very, very deep run. So that's Anna Samova is my pick. Okay, so moving now to the men's draw, which is led by Novak Djokovic. He faces off against uh, the very interesting, <laughs> needless to say, Tennis Sangren in the first round. He's got guys like Pui and Cuevas in the second round, which I think that's not going to be really an issue. Interesting parts of that, Djokovic is playing this week in Belgrade again. Very interesting for a world number one and a guy who has multiple, multiple Grand Slams um, to play the week before a major. He just actually won right now against, I'll tell you who he won against, Andres Martin from Slovak. He won 6-1, in two hours. So he's going to be playing the winner of Del Bonis and Molkin in the finals tomorrow. 
Obviously, it's in Belgrade where he's from. It's called the Novak Djokovic Center, where so it looks like you know there's a couple of reasons for him to be there in front of his home crowd and everything. It's a easy setting. I also think that he didn't want to really do the COVID restrictions and everything in Paris by getting there early. So he's like, I'll just chill out here in Belgrade, you know, sort of practicing, get some matches in. But for me, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Like. Does he win at 250? Like for him, for somebody like him, it's like zero out of 10 worth. But, um, you know, is he really kind of saying like, I just want to enjoy playing at home. I'm not really worried about the French Open. Uh, focus is more on Wimbledon and the US Open where he's really the clear, clear favorite to win. Or is it like, I just need some more matches because I haven't really had the clay court season that I wanted, winning no titles to date this year on that surface and just trying to get some confidence going in. What are your thoughts on Novak before uh, we break down the rest of the draw? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I definitely think this is a, you know, why not try something different mode, you know? Yes. And, you know, it's a, it's a way to be comfortable at home you know, sleep in your bed and play some matches and possibly win a tournament, gain some confidence. And I've never done it before, you know. So um, he's going to come into Roland Garros in form and, you know, just going to go for it um, and see, you know, because the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, Rafa's the clear cut and you know, why not try something a little bit different and, and see what, what type of results it garners. It could be an absolute massive failure, um, but the likelihood of him winning or beating, you know, I mean, Rafa is, you know, he has before, um, but he's also slowed down a little bit. And so, you know, I, I'm not sure that he's going to have the ability to defend over five sets against Rafa on, on Roland Garros unless he's crystal clear sharp as can be you know and so maybe this is the right thing we're about to find out yeah yeah and i think with that you know with that in mind uh it's a very interesting top half right because you have a couple good guys in djokovic Federer, nadal the number three seed which is really i mean makes no sense it's ridiculous like not because he's got to face djokovic in the semis but I mean, there's got to be, listen, the guy's won the tournament 13 times, right? He's got to be the number one seed. Like, let's, let's be honest, right? Like, it's, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's, he's, so anyhow, he's got, um, I mean, how can we not say it's going to be a, a Djokovic Nadal semifinals, right? I, it's like, I, I don't know who, who would go against that. He does uh, have Sonego, who's, can, can, you know, like if it's one of those like soldering days where it's like heavy conditions and his ball's not bouncing. Yeah. I mean, Sonego's the type of guy that can absolutely pummel the tennis ball. Um, I think, I, I, I agree. And I actually, I like his game. Yeah. I, I've been watching him a lot the last year, even when he beat Djokovic uh, last year indoors. And uh, yeah, I believe in Vienna. Uh, and he had a nice run in, in Rome a couple of weeks back. Yeah, he's a fiery guy. I just don't think he's as strong as Soderling. You know what I'm saying? Like Soderling. He's not as mature, and, Nima. You know what I mean? His, his muscle yeah. is not is not there yet. Yeah, and and I think you know, a guy like Soderling, the guy was like a, a Mack truck. You know what I mean? And um, 
was actually Popper in his first uh, round opponent, Rafa. He actually said that because uh, they faced off, I believe, early on in the clay court season. And, and Alexi said that I'm going to watch some matches with Nadal and Soderling uh, because I play a lot like Soderling. And, you know, I want to see what I can take away from that from that matchup. Um, but, I mean, listen, French Open, five sets. I think it's going to be, you know, Woodshed City for, for Nadal <laughs> all the way through this. You know, Sinner will give him a bit of a test maybe in the fourth round if he gets there. Rublev's guy I love to watch. You know, a guy who can, you know, transcend sport a little bit. He's got the look and, and the game, but... Uh, he's not the best on clay either. So I think it's a good section for Rafa to get through easily to the quarterfinals. I'd be surprised if he loses anything more than one set going in there. Um, and then we got obviously Federer facing off against qualifier first round, depending on who it is. I mean, he could lose first round, let's be honest. And then he's got potentially Silich in the second round, Federer, got Fritz, you know, OJ Aliasim, who's a bit of a head case at this point, in my opinion. He can't really figure out what he needs to do to improve on, on where, where he is. And Berrettini's a guy who's can do some damage. Songa's pretty much on his last legs. Uh, so, you know, I got I got Federer and as part of me, I got Nadal and Djokovic uh, into the final two. What do you have? Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, no, no difference in, in Djokovic and, and, and Nadal for sure. Um, but what a what an interesting section, right? I mean, an interesting half, just with three all time greats in the same, you know, bunched up together. It's like old blood versus new. You know, parcel one guy we can't leave this section without talking about is Aslan Karatsev. I mean, definitely is, super dangerous. I mean. Had. And I mean, like, can you not like say that this guy's not going to do some damage here? If if there's a guy who can actually probably, you know, bother Nadal in his quarter, it's that guy. I mean, he's just doesn't look like he fears anybody. He's coming in, plays pretty good on clay too, plays pretty good on everything. So I think that uh, you know he's definitely got a chance of doing some damage. And I mean, the guy's backhand is incredible. He's got probably the biggest calves on tour. Uh, he looks like a very strong, well-composed guy. Again, super boring in terms of personality. But, you know, when he puts his head down, he gets out there and he's like, listen, I'm just going to play some tennis. And, you know, why not have him go at least to the quarterfinals? And his story so, is great, right? You know, he just like, just the the way how he came up, you know, he's not one of those, you know, prodigy guys. He's totally was, just worked his way through every level and just continued to you know, bring his ranking up year after year after year. So now he's finding himself at an elite level. Yeah, and, and all credit to him on that one. Moving now to the bottom half here before we wrap up this week's show, we have Zarev, who is still, I mean, some allegations of, you know, abuse and stuff like that are circling around him, but nobody's really talking about that anymore. You have Hatchinov, who I think he's kind of peaked, Parsa, in my opinion. Uh, you got Batista Agut, who's, you know, the, the professional's professional. Casper Rude, who's had an excellent clay court season. He's definitely a guy to watch. And he's going to take out Benoit Pair probably in about an hour because, you know, Pair doesn't even want to play tennis these days. He just wants to collect a paycheck. 
we got uh, Hubert Hercatch, who's the Miami champion. Got Fognini, who, I mean, he's obviously a fun guy to watch. You got Team, who's got a bit of a question mark over his head right now because he was going through some burnout and he hasn't played that much. He's been trying to rejuvenate lately. Then you have your boy Sissipas, who's been playing great, and he's definitely one to watch. Uh, then you got guys like Medvedev, who I think he's going to lose first round to Bublik. That's an extremely tough matchup for him. But then I like the two Americans kind of in this bottom quarter here in uh, Tommy Paul and Riley Opelka. I think, you know, when you're looking at the future of American tennis, you know, forget about Fritz and TFO and, you know, those guys. I think Tommy Paul and Riley Opelka will have better careers than both of those guys. And that's just that's just my opinion. I mean, Isner has done his stuff, and he's actually facing off against his buddy Sam Querrey in the first round. Um, you know, you got Sebastian Corda, who's probably destined for a pretty good uh, professional career. But I don't think we can go against uh, Sissipas to you know to make the the final the semis in this section. And I mean, I'm not thrilled about this pick, but I'm gonna be going with, uh, you know, Zarev as my other semifinalist, um, and then potentially Casper Ruud following following him there. But I'm gonna, if I had to make a pick right now, I'm gonna be going with Zarev and Sissipas in the uh, semifinals here. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I'm exactly there with you. Uh, Zverev and and Tsitsipas are definitely the class of the group. Um, I definitely disagree with your American uh, players there. I actually think Corda is the the one that's got the most potential. Um, okay. You know, yeah, he's he's just um, he it doesn't seem to be intimidated by anything, and I think you need that sort of mentality and mindset. Um, and I've watched him. You know, one of my students actually played against him when Corda was maybe fifteen or sixteen, and. Um, you know, he just went right at him like like it was nothing. Um, and he continues that. He continues it on, on the big stage as well. And I think he's motivated and hungry. And, and he just comes from a, a family of all just champions. His sisters are amazing golfers. And, you know, he's, he's just got to continue to push. And, and I think all those factors, uh, you know, make for a very, very strong potential in, in a career. Um, Opelka, I, I definitely like quite a bit um you know he's obviously got a very big game but i think he's still limited um no matter any way you slice it and, and with tommy paul you know knowing what i know uh, about his personalities and and you know people talk and and what it is he's definitely got that loosey-goosey athletic speedster type game i'm not sure he's got the the correct discipline to make deep runs um and i think I just think that that's a, a very important factor as you progress through Grand Slam tournaments is you have to be super disciplined in your shot selection and your habits and your daily routine and everything. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure that he's he has that. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of the Americans have that, but I actually feel like Corda has the most potential to have that. Um, you know, another, another player worth mentioning also is Nishikori. Um... When healthy, he's still super dangerous and just floating around there, just waiting to pick people off. Um, nobody wants to play that guy, um, just because it's just 
when he's good, whew, he doesn't need like matches to to be good. You know, he could just be good right now. So um, definitely one to watch. But uh, yeah, I definitely have Zverev and Sisipas going to the semis here. And then, do you want me to finish, Nima? Yeah, go ahead, and then I'll give I'll give mine. Yeah. So then I've got a uh, Rafa defeating Djokovic, and then I've got a uh, Sisipas advancing to the final. And uh, it comes down to the to the one hander and, and the versus the two hander, and um, you know, I I'm so tempted, Nima, to pick Sisipas. I'm so <laughs> tempted, um, but I just. I'm so tempted. Put it that way. I'm gonna go with uh, Nadal nine seven in the fifth in the final. Wow. I think. Oh man, I you know Rafa, Rafa, man. I mean, I I still remember when I watched him play against Mariano Puerta, 2005 French Open final. First one, he was wearing that green sleeveless shirt with the capris and yep. came one four sets. He lost the first set seven six and. Everybody's like, how does this Nemo remember this stuff? And I promise you, I'm not looking at a screen or anything. This is all off of memory. And uh, the guy's still there, nine through his teens, his 20s, now into his 30s. The guy's still the king of clay. And it's just, I will never see a guy probably like this again. It's just the guy's an incredible specimen, you know, so much mental fortitude. And um, I listen, I got Djokovic, Nadal in the semis. I got Zarev, Sissipas. I also have Nadal over Sissipas. Maximum four sets. Um, I Like I said, you, you, you're right. Sissipas believes and he knows that he needs to. And that's the only way this is going to get done. Um, but it's it's just, to me, it's going to be, it's just still a very tough order. I mean, if, if Nadal five sets on clay, the guy is super, super tough to beat. I mean, and, you know, that one year where, you know, Djokovic beat him a couple of years back, and I think Nadal lost the third set 6-1 or 6-love. I mean, he had a terrible clay court season, and you know he had no confidence. He's coming in this year, you know, he just won Rome over Djokovic, he won Barcelona, and those are really the two you got to look at because they mimic the French Open surface the most. Even if he won Madrid, I mean, such an obsolete environment compared with Paris that doesn't even really matter. And Monte Carlo so early in the season that, again, doesn't really have so much merit. But when you look at Barcelona and, and Rome, I mean, those are the two he wanted to win. And he said when he was entering Rome, my objective here is to win this tournament. And that's exactly what he did. So, I mean, I, th I think it's Rafa all the way, number 14. You know, he's, that's a record likely will never be broken. And then on top of that, he's going to be have 21 majors, you know, stand alone on the uh, the Grand Slam mantle. You know, the quote talk will be in, reinvigorated. And uh, that's where we leave it at that. So um, that's pretty much all I got, Parso. So thank you very much for your time this week. Thank and you. Uh, thank you, everybody out there for listening. And uh, Parsa and I will be back in a couple weeks' time to preview the Wimbledon Championships and uh, get ready for the grass court season in the year's third major. We thank everybody out there for listening. Make sure to uh, follow Parsa at Parsa Sammy on uh, Instagram. I don't think you're on Twitter anymore, big guy. No, but, not uh, too much. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll find you there on IG. Uh, you can follow myself at Tennis Connected on Instagram, as well as Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. We're all over the place. You can download this podcast for iTunes as well as Android. And uh, be good. Everybody enjoy the Fortnite. We'll have a lot of coverage on the site. And we'll uh, chat with you guys soon. And Parsa, thanks again uh, for joining us this week. Thank you. All the best, buddy. Thanks. And we'll talk to everybody shortly. Thank you, guys. Bye.